Well, hey, everybody, it's Pastor Ryan here for another midweek Bible study. And uh, hopefully you've been uh, enjoying uh, these studies together. I know I've been enjoying them, uh, being able to to provide these just kind of words of, of encouragement, way to kind of touch base, uh, even just virtually in a, in a weird, strange uh, way. Uh, just connect and, and connect over God's promises. Um, I appreciate your feedback, encouragement, uh, just as you've enjoyed these these studies and I've enjoyed putting them together. And I was kind of thinking about what, what to talk about again um, post-resurrection, post-Easter Sunday. And, and I was just kind of thinking about this, this human reality that we have uh, where the holidays kind of end, Easter ends. Uh, if you go back to Christmas, the family goes home. Uh, maybe you're feeling a little melancholy, obviously with the pandemic, feeling like when is this going to end? You know, spring is is here, summer's coming, you know, kids apparently aren't going to be going back to school in the normal way. You know, what does summer look like? And, and there's just a sense of, I don't want to call it hopelessness, maybe that's, that's too strong of a word, but there's just a, a sense of anticipation for something new um, and, and something to, to, to change. And, and I was thinking about uh, taking a few weeks to look at some, uh, I think, really important text in Scripture uh, that, that talk about the resurrection of Christ, but they, always, they also talk about our own resurrection and those that have died before us and how to understand that and what, what kind of the new heavens and the new earth will be like. And, uh, and, and I was just thinking, what a, what a great way to look at kind of post-resurrection, post-Easter Sunday, to understand fully what Jesus was doing and, and how the, the scripture writers, especially here, Apostle Paul, um, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, how he understood resurrection uh, f- for not only what Christ accomplished and what his resurrection did and what it was like, but also what our own resurrection looks like. Because I think there's a lot of kind of misnomers on how we understand the afterlife, if you want to call it that, or, or, or how we understand what happens when we, after we die, but also to understand the, the Bible's understanding of heaven and eternity and the new heavens and the new earth, the way that talks that way more often. Um, and also what is our, our lives to be like in the meantime? Uh, what are they, what's the work God has called us to, uh, b- before his, his return? Um, and the lives that he gives us, what does that look like as resurrected? Uh, Christ gospel people. Uh, what, what does that mean? And so I want to I want to take a, a few uh, weeks here to kind of walk slowly through First Corinthians fifteen. So we're going to look at First Corinthians fifteen um, this morning. I'm going to look at the first fifteen verses and slowly kind of walk through these resurrection uh, summations and theology and teaching that the apostle Paul, uh, does here in first Corinthians, uh, 15. And so I'm going to read that first Corinthians 15. I'm just gonna read the first 11 verses and then we'll, we'll look at a few things here, uh, this morning. It says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then also to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I per- persecuted the church of God. 
but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you uh, believed." And so th- this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the first 11 uh, verses we're going to look at just here for a few moments here uh, this, this morning. And what I love about this these texts is the, the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter written by the Apostle Paul, is written to a church that is dysfunctional, uh, which gives me a lot of hope. Uh, maybe it gives you a lot of hope. It's, it's a divided uh, church. It, it's a it's a church that's is is filled with sexual sin. Uh, there's marriages that are falling apart. There's false teachers that are that are coming in. There's there's also this sense of kind of spiritual pride of who do I follow? What teachers do I um, listen to? And, and Paul's talking about this division of you don't follow any of these. You follow Christ as I follow uh, Christ. There's this this spiritual pride of them wanting more kind of super spiritual experiences. And, and so it's interesting that. Paul would would get to the end of the letter of the first Corinthians and talk about this kind of gospel in a nutshell summation of what grounds them as God's people, what was to unite them uh, as God's um, people. And, and, and so I want to look at just a few kind of, um, pieces to this because this is really the fundamentals of the faith um the the, the fundamentals of 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 bringing us deeper and uniting us deeper into the realities of Christ and his life and his death and his his resurrection and and so so many people in the church think that the fundamentals you know that that Jesus lived died rose again okay we believe that now what are something we just move beyond but but really they are to go deeper into um and and 1 Corinthians is a great picture of that, uh, of case in point, is that they had forgotten their core identity. They had forgotten what grounded them, what unites them, what gives them power, what gives their lives meaning. And so Paul, getting to the end of the letter, it's so fascinating that he would spend a whole chapter on the resurrection of Christ and the summation of the gospel to, to unite them and to, to remind them of who they belong to and what the church is to be rallied around. So, so when we look at this text, uh, the first thing we see here is really a reminder of gospel power. A reminder of gospel power. We we see that in the first couple couple verses here. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in, in vain. So these these first kind of two verses set up all that's been said in this entire letter. I need to remind you, brothers, you could say brothers and sisters, I need to remind you of the family in which you're a part of. I need to remind you of the good news, the message that was preached to you, that was explained to you, the life, the death, the resurrection, the burial, resurrection, and the coming again of Christ. This message that the apostles uh we're willing to die for this message that the church was built on and around. I need to remind you of these fundamentals that ground you. And, and what's interesting is when you think of the fundamentals, I think of often of, of a basketball player, um, a baseball player, a football player is so much. We think of these 
athletes who are well-tuned machines and they're so good at their craft. You could even think of an artist that's just good at painting or drawing or singing or dancing or, or what have you. Often when things aren't going well, you don't go to more complex ideas or moves or paintings. You go back to the fundamentals. You get back to the foundational roots of who you are, how you've accomplished these things. And over and over again, that's what Paul is is saying here is, I need to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. A reminder of gospel power, the thing that grounds you, the thing that gives you hope, the thing that gives you life, the thing that gives you joy. We need to continually come back to that. When life is hectic and things are falling apart, It's not time to get cute. It's not time to get novel. It's not time to get complex. It's to come back to the basics of what we already know is right and true and what sustains you and is going to continue to sustain us going forward. What's fascinating about this this letter is that this church is only a few years old. Okay, this is not a, a, this is a first century missionary movement. The Christian movement has been spreading through these churches that the Apostle Paul has uh, been planting shortly after the resurrection of Christ. So these believers are only a few years into the faith. And isn't it interesting that Paul already has to remind them, hey, I need to remind you uh, of who you are. I need to remind you of the message in which we preach, the good news of grace that Christ has lived, that he's died, that he's risen from the dead, that he's coming again. I need to remind you because as you forget this and as you get spiritual amnesia, things are going to go bad for you often. So if these folks who are literally a few years removed from the resurrected Christ, there are people in this church, there are people in the community that literally saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Like people that saw him in the flesh alive, fully alive as, as you and I were. We don't have that luxury. And yet if they can forget how much more can we forget of where our power comes from, where gospel power comes from, where hope comes from? I love the way uh, Tim Keller says, the gospel's not the ABCs of the faith. They are the A to Zs. We never move beyond it. We only go deeper into it. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a great example of that. The, the, the writers of the gospel constantly bringing us back to the things we know are true and right and good. And it's why the church gets divided. It's why things go crazy. It's why our lives get, get shipwrecked is because we, we forget who we belong to. We forget who, who made us. We forget who, who loves us. We forget who's died for us. We forget who's redeemed us, who's justified us, who's sanctifying us. We forget all of these things that these are the ultimate things. It's not a pandemic that defines us. It's not a political party that defines us. It's not our socioeconomic standing or the school in which we attended or the job in which we have that defines us ultimately. But what defines us is the message of first importance, the gospel message, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ that gets, gives our lives ultimate identity, ultimate meaning, meaning ultimate grounding and ultimate reality. So, so we never move beyond it, but, but where do we begin in it? Well, woven into it, Paul uses these, these great words in verse 2. He says, and by which you are being saved, this gospel, 
if you hold fast, I should, sorry, back to one. I, I went too far ahead. It says, the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So the, the starting point is simply receiving it. And this is where gospel, good news, and grace and receiving go together, faith. It's just just receiving it. It's a gift. It's something that's been announced. It's something that's been done. So when the apostles are going around preaching this message of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, it's not five ways to get to heaven. It's not to have a how to have a better spiritual life or to go deeper with, with the gods. It's good news, like a herald would announce when a king won a victory, that they'd run into the, the city square and say, Hey, I have great news of great joy. The king has won the battle. So we simply receive the news. It's news to be received. It's not hoops to jump through. It's not together. It's not a self-improvement plan. It's not a philosophy for better living. And, and it can include all those things. It's not just wisdom for life. Of course, it includes those things. But we, you receive good news. You receive gifts. You don't do anything to earn it. Similar to what, what Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2. It's, it's by grace you are saved. It's by faith you are saved. It's trusting in the one who did what we couldn't do for ourselves on our behalf, Jesus Christ. The one who lived and died and rose from the dead. And so we continually receive this good, good news. And I, I don't think it's just a one-time moment of our lives. I think it's a continually daily, many decisions many receptions of this gospel, continually gripping it, grabbing onto it, knowing that this is where our hope is found. Because that lends itself to the next word that Paul uses is stand. The word here is one of battle. It's, it's not wanting to be moved. It has this, this, this idea of, of a wall or, or our feet fully planted deeply in the soil. Nothing's going to move us. Nothing's going to going to shake us. Um, after we receive on it, we 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 stand in it. That's why we never move beyond the gospel. We don't we don't move. There's no other message. <laughs> There's no other deeper thing that we're looking for. It's going deeper into what we already know. The, the good news that Jesus has come and did what he said he would do. That there is hope because of resur- resurrection, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks as well. So, so we don't move, we, we, we go further into it, and that's part of our discipleship, is understanding this mystery, understanding God's grace, understanding God's work and God's power in deeper and fresher and newer ways as we, we grow and mature in him. It's not something we move beyond. We always come back to the fundamentals. And, and that's why Paul, and we'll look at this next week, but he says that if, if Jesus hasn't resurrected from the dead, our faith is futile, our faith is, is worthless. It has no meaning. It has no weight. If Jesus isn't alive, then we can never be alive. If Jesus isn't alive, then sin has the last say, then death has the last say, then suffering has the last say, then pandemics have the last say. If Jesus isn't alive, the church makes no sense at all. Then we're just playing games. It's just a human organization. It's just our own doing. It's our own uh, work. It's just a social club something to do on a Sunday morning or, or some new friends to have. But, but, but if Jesus is alive, it's changed everything. It's literally changed human history, which we'll, we'll dig into deeper in coming, coming weeks as well. So a reminder of gospel power. And, 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 and when we think about this reminder, it's important too to remember that the gospel is not just for bringing non-believers into the family, which of course it is. 
But a lot of times we think that's all, all the gospel is. Well, it's just going out and telling people about Jesus, of course. But what Christians forget, it's also for our discipleship and our growth. And so we can walk calmly, joyfully, when marriage isn't going well, when parenting's really hard, when a pandemic comes, we can have our lives more grounded and deeply rooted in the realities that Jesus is king and Jesus is alive and Jesus is at work in our midst. So it's not just for getting the message out there, and we'll talk about that. Of course, it's not less than that. But where has the church, where has our lives got on track most often? Is when we've forgotten our core identity, when we've forgotten the fundamentals. We've forgotten the power of the gospel. When we focused on secondary issues, not only second, but third and fourth and fifth and sixth. So the, the church gets gets strange and odd that it's the, the newest idea, the newest teaching, the newest thing that we forget that we're gospel people. That that's the news that we carry. That's the news that we herald to every generation. So a reminder of gospel power. But secondly, there, there's also a summary of gospel content. So what is it that actually Paul is preaching here? Verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Isn't that interesting? He, he summarizes right there what was his, his life, his mission, his church planting, his missionary work. What was that, all that about? It was, I delivered to you of first importance. Yeah, there were other things we needed to talk about when I was planting churches and raising up leaders and discipling you and helping you go deeper into the faith, of course. But what is first importance? What grounds us? What gives us power? What gives us meaning? What gives us identity? What gives us hope? Where's salvation found? What, what keeps us going in dark times and great times and in between times? First importance. This is the message. This is where we begin. And what is that message? Verse 3, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. We'll hit a few more verses here. But but first importance, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, which is fascinating because it's, they don't even have the, the New Testament Scriptures yet. It's according to the Old Testament Scriptures. All of it was pointing to this Messiah that was to come that he was buried, that he was physically buried, just like you and I under, well, in a tomb in, in the first century, not in the same way we, we would be buried, but he was, he was buried, dead as a doorknob. But then he raised, again, on the third day, according to the scriptures, exactly as the Old Testament scriptures were pointing to, that this was going to happen. And then he appeared bodily, fully resurrected to over 500 people. And that's why those post-resurrection accounts in the gospel are fascinating. And beautiful. Hey, you guys have any fish? Let's eat. I'm hungry, right? Jesus, the, uh, Mary, as we talked about on Easter Sunday, Mary, the Marys are wrapping their arms around Jesus' feet. They're worshiping him. Thomas takes him a week to come to the reality that Jesus really is who he says he is. I need evidence. I need, I need to see the scars on your hands and your feet because I know that they, there would be if you were truly dead and now you're alive. And he says, okay, here they are. He's teaching the disciples about the mission of God to go and preach repentance and forgiveness to the nations, to preach good news. He spends time with his closest friends, the people that abandoned him. And over 500 people saw him. 
This was not a fantasy. This was not just a, a group hallucination. People saw him and people, even the people Paul is writing to here, here shortly after the resurrection can go, yeah, I was there. I saw him. It was amazing. He was alive. Later in, in Luke's gospel in Luke 24, he, he comes to him and these two disciples, Jesus comes to these two disciples that are bewildered. We're not sure which disciples opens the scriptures to them, helps them understand that it, it was God's plan that he would live and die and resurrect from the dead and, and their hearts burn within them. And they go, oh, it's him. It's, it's the one that all the scriptures were talking to. One of the greatest Bible studies that the world has ever seen. So all of this happened according to the scriptures. God had a plan in place. This wasn't God's plan B. This wasn't, well, now sin came in the world and we need a plan B, Trinity. It was always God's plan from the beginning to redeem and restore all things. He was buried, he, he was, that he was, he, he was dead as dead could be, as if there's more dead. He, he, was, he was dead, he, just as you and I would have died or anyone would have died in the grave, but then he comes back to life. And what I love about kind of the, just the summation of the, the death of Christ that, that redeems us from our sins, that, he, that, 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 that forgiveness is available, that he becomes our pure, spotless sacrifice, our true high priest that, that makes the final sacrifice for our sins, that he, he rises victoriously from the dead, is that, that our faith is also a historical faith. It's rooted in a time and a place in history where there's identifiable historical eyewitness accounts that Jesus did all the things he said he would do and he 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 did die and he did rise again that, that your faith isn't rooted in just fantasy and mythology or feelings but it's rooted in history that if you and I could go back 2000 years we could talk to people and say hey tell tell us what that was like oh it was amazing we saw him. We were scared. We're in this room. We're fearful. And we're, we're huddled together. And he, he comes in and says, peace be with you. Then later we're on out fishing. Peter's out fishing. And Jesus tells me to throw out a net and all these fish jump in the, in the net and he eats with us. And we have, we have, we have dinner together. He was dead, but now he's fully alive. We saw him. Everything's changed. And, and we know because of the summary of this gospel content, that everything was happening according to the scriptures, that, that, that imagine all these Jewish people who had now come to faith. There's no way this movement would have got off the ground unless this was true, unless the resurrection happened. That some argue that that's the main teaching of, of the church is the resurrection because without the resurrection, there is no, no power for this movement to get off the ground because they, they saw Jesus alive. They were following a risen Messiah, a risen king, a risen God. He was not dead in the ground. He, a lot of messiahs came and went and, and were crucified. The false teachers came and went and were crucified, but, but none of them got off the ground. Why? Because none of them raised back from the dead. Why would the early apostles be willing to be persecuted and killed for their faith if Jesus wasn't alive? It makes no sense. Most people aren't willing to die for something that's that's false. Now we could you could say, oh, sure, there's all kinds of cults and people have died for that. But but the reality is, for this thing to keep going for two thousand years, to say it's just built on human ingenuity or or just wishful thinking or fantasy doesn't make any sense, unless your leader is alive. 
and ruling and reigning and working in the lives and the hearts uh, of people. And, and so the the reminder of gospel power is to remind us that this is our a message of first importance, that we easily forget where our hope is, where our life is, where our identity is, where our power comes from, that when you and I are walking through a time and a season of history where things just seem dark and, and, and confusing and are things ever going to be back to normal, in many ways they might not be. Where does our hope lie? Where does our power lie? Where does our joy come from? And it's the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ that, that unites not us, just our church, but every church and every Christian, that that's the, the commonality that we have. Like, like think of how hopeless, let's just be honest. Like if you're not in Christ, there really is no hope. Hope in what? That we get better, that we get more money, that our government changes, that, you know, the world is healed. Like, like things that are tangible and the things that we can grab onto is not hope. Things that are hoped for that we can see and touch and taste and smell are not hope at all. But we need something that's beyond what we can see, taste, and touch. Ultimately, what we have in, in Christ, the hope of resurrection with him, that, that nothing can touch us. Nothing can touch us. Not even death itself, Romans 8 says. Life, death, famine, sword, pandemics, doesn't matter. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because of what he's accomplished for us. So, and, and then the content, we, we continually come back to what are the realities? What are the implications of the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ? How does this flesh itself out into our lives? And that's the, the last uh, little piece here I want to look at just in these last few verses is, is really the transforming power of the gospel. What, what's the effects it has on us and on the church? No, notice how Paul talks about these effects. Well, one, he, he talks about it in verse 9, for I'm the least of all the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. There's a, there's a sense of humility here. Paul, of all people before this, before he became a Christian, was not humble. He, he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He had the track record. He had the resume. He had the education. You know, knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. And yet he was an arrogant man, thought he knew it all, knew how the plan was going to, going to unfold. And now he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. The gospel doesn't prop us up. It, it brings us low. Because we know that the gospel message itself is a gift of grace. It's not something we've made up. It's not something that we've, we, we've done. It's, it's something we receive and we stand in by faith, by grace. So the gospel always should have a humbling effect on our hearts and on our lives. Hey, the whole thing's grace. The whole thing's gift. <laughs> I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the disciples. I'm the, of all people, Ryan Pelton should not be a disciple of Jesus. If you knew my life before Christ, if you know my life even after Christ, it's all grace. It's all a gift of grace. I think another effect of the gospel is 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 honesty. It's just we get honest. Not only are we humble, and usually hum humility leads to honesty. Um, Paul talks about his past sins in verse 9. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. The apostle Paul hated Christians. He murdered Christians. And Jesus, because his grace is never beyond our grip, and it's never beyond the grip, the, 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 never, his grace is never beyond anyone, even a murderer like Paul who hated Christians. He's able to be honest about his sins. Hey, look what I've done. 
I was a terrorist who killed Christians. I don't deserve to be an apostle. The gospel, when it comes in power, always shows us our sins and humbles us and allows us to be honest because we've been outed. Like that's the beauty of the gospel, that the cross outs us. Everything is laid bare. All of our the worst things we've ever done, every thought, every action, everything we'll ever do is laid bare on the cross. And if Jesus was willing to cover that, you don't think he's going to cover every sin that we commit and every wrongdoing and every failure? Of course he will. And we can be honest. And we and it, it's a great effect in the church because it allows us gospel honesty, if you want to use that language. It allows us, in, when we're in city groups, uh, one day we'll be in those again. And when we gather together in friendships with other believers, we can just be honest. Because we're covered. But Jesus covers us. What a gift from the gospel. Honesty. Also, repentance works in us as well. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. That was not I, but the grace of God that, that is, is within me. And so this, this repentance comes to us. This, this, I used to be this, but now I'm this. I used to kill Christians, but I stopped. You see this, this little picture of repentance, but that's not who I am anymore. It's a turning away. It's, it's what we talked about on Easter. It's a stopping all the ways in which we replace God with our sin and our self and our will and our false worldviews and our idols and everything. And we say no to those things. And we say, but that's not me anymore. That's not who I am anymore. I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new woman in Christ. I'm a, I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of, of the king. I used to be those things. I used to love everything but God, but now that's not who I am anymore. And so one of the effects, the transforming power of the gospel is it, it works on our hearts that we can continually turn from the things that get in the way of us and experiencing joy in God and life with God. Another effect is also gives us a new identity. Paul says that, I am what I am. That was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. I worked harder than anyone. I, I am what I am. He, he understood. He, he had this new identity, this new mission, I, he, that he worked harder than any of the apostles. He, had a, he, he used to be the, the, the smart Jewish teacher, Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrew, but now, and persecutor of Christians, but now he was the apostle Paul, a trophy of God's grace. That everything he did, he understood, was rooted and founded in God's grace and the love of Christ. So the mission that God had called him to, to go and make himself known to the Gentiles, go and make Jesus known to the Gentiles, was now his new identity. He got a new identity. It's not who I am anymore. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not the killer Paul anymore. I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Another effect would be gratitude. And again, this is a sign of of gospel transformations. Gratitude always comes into our lives. Thanksgiving always comes into our lives. Paul says his grace was not in vain. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach as so you believe. There's a sense of gratitude with Paul. It's all his grace. It's all his doing. 
It was not in vain. It did what it was supposed to do in my life. I, I wouldn't be uh, the messenger of Christ that I am if it wasn't for the grace of God. And that goes back to the, the beginning of our text this morning. I need to remind you, my brothers and sisters, of this gospel in which you were saved, in which you stand, which you received, in which you stand, of what is of first importance that Christ lived and he died and he rose again. His grace was not in vain. And his grace is still not in vain. See, God's the, the hero of Paul's story. And he's the hero of the Christian story. And he's the one who came and he found us and he saved us and he forgave us and he adopted us and he justified us and he sanctifies us until he returns or takes us home. That's the same Jesus we see here. It's the same Jesus we just talked about on Resurrection Sunday. Who's alive, who came to his closest friends and companions, the one who abandoned them and said, peace be with you. Greetings. Do not be afraid. It's a gospel of good news. It's a gospel of grace. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do. It's not something we think up. It's not a, a new uh, plan to get to heaven or a new philosophy of life. It's something we receive and it's something we stand in and, and it's something we never move beyond. We never move beyond the fundamentals of the gospel. We only go deeper into it. And so, do you know this, this Jesus? Do you need to know him in new and fresh ways? That's been my, my prayer for you and for me, that we never move beyond it. So may God help us go deeper into understanding more of who he is and experiencing more of his grace and his mercy and his love in our, in our lives, especially in these, these times of uncertainty, especially when, when we don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, and I know we've we've been doing these these Bible studies uh, early in the morning. I know for some people that it just doesn't work. It's just um, rather do it early and, and kind of get it out there and let let it be available. Um, I know a few of you have hopped on as well. And and um, you know if you want to share uh, prayer requests, please feel free to do that. Um, if there's anything going on in your life, uh, any struggles that we could pray for you and encourage you with, I'd love to to do that uh, for you and with you. Um, in, in New City Church, as, you, as we listen to this, we, we uh, don't know all the details, but we definitely will be uh, not able to gather for a few more weeks, um, and we'll keep you updated on that as well. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep the, the, the same rhythms, uh, w- midweek Bible study on Wednesday mornings at 7. Uh, we'll gather again on Sunday at 10 a.m. like normal. We'll, we'll sing and we'll hear God's uh, uh, promises to us. We're going to continue our series in Romans. We're going to start jumping back into Romans chapter six. So if you're following along at home, uh, join us in Romans chapter six. Uh, we'll be working through that for the rest of the spring, um, and then have a have a new series coming this summer. Lord willing, we'll be uh, together uh, before then. Um, we're going to be uh, preaching, teaching through the Psalms this summer, and uh, we're going to have uh, some uh, some of our, our folks that we support uh, through church planting and missionary work coming in uh, to, to preach as well. So we'll be looking forward to having some guest preachers this summer as well. Uh, but that's all coming down. We'll, we'll keep you apprised on all of those things. Um, and again, we don't know things could change and all of that. But we're, we're trusting in, in what we just talked about this morning, uh, the, the hope of Jesus Christ. 
that we would continually remind each other. Could we do that this week? Just remind each other, remind your kids, remind your wife, remind your husband, remind your friends, your neighbors. You need to do it online, do it online. Um, of where our hope truly lies. And it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the God who lived and died and rose again. That's where our joy is found. That's where our hope is found. That's what's going to get us through these these next few weeks, these next few months. It's going to get us through our, our entire lives now and forever. That's really good news. So let me let me pray for you, and uh, and we'll we'll call it a morning. And uh, please keep the communication open. Uh, if you have any needs, please uh, text me, call me, uh, email me. One of the elders as well. We're always available um, in these these strange uh, times. But uh, yeah, keep praying for those affected by the virus. Um, pray for those that are, are suffering, those that have, have gone, and the families that are affected by that, the healthcare workers especially, um, leaders that need to make hard decisions and wisdom locally and uh, in our government and, and around the world. Um, pray for your brothers and sisters around the world as well. Um, that they'll know the, the hope and the realities of Christ and the gospel as well, um, just as we will all walk through tough, tough times. Let us pray. Father, thanks for this little gift this morning. I know it's been good for my soul to remember the good news. The thing, the message, the thing that grounds us, that the, the thing we never move beyond, the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, the thing that gives our, our lives true meaning and hope and identity, that even if we've been following Christ for many, many years, we, we've just begun to scratch the surface of understanding who you are and how amazing you are and how powerful you are, how good you are, how gracious you are, how loving you are. And so I pray those realities would just get deeper in our bones and our souls and our hearts and our minds and our lives. May it flood out into all of our relationships, our, into our families, with our kids, if we have kids, our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever we're found, God. And, and in this strange time, it just feels we're cooped up and not sure what to do. I just pray that these promises, these realities would just be so precious to us. They give us bold, deep faith, deep joy, deep hope in you because the tomb is empty. So I pray you bless our time as we walk through 1 Corinthians 15 the next few weeks and show us all the, the effects and the realities and the implications of the resurrection because they are immense. So go before us in the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. New City Church, go in grace, go in peace. We'll talk to you soon.